I think in many ways, the sort of digital transformation or revolution has been accelerated, right? And it, it's, it's, it's something that has always been on the horizon for many businesses, regardless of industry. But because of COVID-19, I think that it's really accelerated the need for um, dig- a digital transformation in response to that. Everyone acknowledges that digital is the future. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Thomas Alomes. Great to have you join us again this week. On today's show, we're joined by Dr. Julian Tan, Head of Digital Business Initiatives and Esports at Formula One. Julian's responsible for leading Formula One's digital strategy, transformation and growth, including F1's global esports business, with the aim of redefining how fans engage with the sport through digital and esports. Prior to this, Julian was a senior consultant at global management consulting firm, the Boston Consulting Group. Here he helped some of the world's largest and most important organizations spearhead their commercial strategies and digital transformations. Julian holds first-class bachelor's and master's degrees in mechanical engineering from the University of Oxford and a PhD in micromechanics of carbon fiber laminates from the University of Cambridge. Basically, uh, I think the be on end all is that Julian is eminently qualified to comment on uh, Formula One and the role that it holds in the integration between digital and physical events. So this session was actually recorded as part of our Sports Tech World Series Virtual European Conference. At this time of year, we'd normally be in the Johan Cruyff Arena in Amsterdam. Beautiful stadium there in Amsterdam. If you haven't been there, it's the home of Ajax. Um, we have a global partnership with them for the next three years. We'd be learning from the leaders in the European sports tech scene. We'd be there with 500 plus sports and innovation leaders in attendance. However, for 2020, we've pivoted to a virtual format for obvious reasons. The presentations are continuing over the next five weeks and you can register for free via sportstechworldseries.com forward slash conference dash Europe. If that's too hard to navigate, you can always go to sportstechworldseries.com, click on the events tab and then scroll down to Europe. As always, you can find more show notes and episodes on sportstechfeed.com and please feel free to give us a review on Apple Podcasts really helpful for spreading the word of what we're doing it's all about growing the knowledge and the capability of the global sports tech community so we rely on you as a member of that community around the world um, to really give us feedback and then share this around so really enjoyed uh, chatting with julian on this Um, as i said still open for registrations for the next few weeks on our uh, conference series so definitely go to the website sign up get the content from this session uh, many other sessions and then tune in next week uh, when we're continuing our conversation about esports with Adrian Montgomery from Enthusiast Gaming. But for now, here is Dr. Julian Tan. Please enjoy. Julian Tan, welcome to the European Sports Tech Conference. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That's great. Well, I mentioned in my introduction uh, a little bit uh, about your bio, but really that kind of scratches the surface and as does your title. Can you share a little bit about uh, what your day-to-day role is at Formula One? Yeah, sure. I I joined Formula One in July of 2017. I actually joined Formula One from a career in management consulting where I used to work in a company called the Boston Consulting Group where I worked with a lot of uh, companies to define their digital strategy and digital transformation. So when I joined F1 back in 2017, I came in in that capacity to help Formula One set up their digital department, working with my boss, uh, Frank Arthofer, who's our director of digital. And uh, yeah, back then it was very much about 
first defining what our digital strategy should be, where we are versus where we want to be, how we're going to get there. Um, and as part of that definition of that strategy, we kicked off the wider digital transformation of Formula One. And uh, I was supporting that transformation and coming out of that esports emerged as one of the key pillars. Um, and yeah, I took the helm of that business and I basically look after everything esports at Formula One. Um, whether that is with a wheel or a pedal with our official Formula One game or mobile, anything on esports, you know, uh, I manage. And I also look after, I still look after our sort of, um, wider digital strategic initiatives as well. So feeding into pieces like thought pieces, like, you know, what is our, um, sort of digital strategic planning process, the budgetary process for the digital department, you know, content strategy, um, product strategy, that sort of thing. Yeah, so quite a broad remit within um, within that and touching both the the virtual esports um, gaming side, which is going to form a large part of our conversation today, then also the, the digital initiatives that go into the uh, regular or I, I guess traditional. What are we talking about? Mate, just normal real life racing. Real life. The real in, life in, racing. In the age of COVID, what do we say for just the, the new normal? So real life racing. So uh, I mean that leads on to the next question around uh, the suspension of real life racing. Obviously, the suspension of the Formula One season, uh, and we've seen tremendous success with the F one esports virtual Grand Grand Prix, uh, and that's a that's a new product. Um, and then also initiatives have flowed off that, such as the Heineken Challenge. So I think for the first, um, so you don't have to kind of toot your own horn, I'll, I'll do it for you. But I think the first of your virtual Grand Prix products uh, had 3.2 million online viewers and spent 1.2 million watching on TV. Uh, and that was for the first race. Uh, and we'll see over time what the, the stats are going to be going forwards. But can you share a little bit of how those products came to fruition and what's the response been from your fans and also your sponsors? Sure. So we've actually been in, in the world of esports since uh, 2017. At the back end of 2017 was when we jumped into esports for the first time. And, you know, I think the underlying thesis of why we wanted to operate in this space was an acknowledgement for our fan base. The fact that I think it's no secret that Formula One has an aging fan base and it's really through digital initiatives like esports that you're actually able to kind of start to engage a younger generation and create products that actually, you know, speak to them in a language that they understand. Um, so when we first entered the space of esports, it was a little bit, I would say, um, experimental. Um, we wanted to kind of see what the reception would be. We wanted to test a few things. And um, I think the long story short is that our first season in 2017 was very, very successful. You know, we it, it surpassed all of our expectations really in terms of the demographic that we were able to kind of attract and also the response, the positive response we we're getting from both new audience, audiences and also our existing audiences as well. Um, so we've really been operating in this space for a little bit more than two and a half years, going on three years now. And, um, you know, I think that we have traditionally in our product set of esports worked in the, what I would call the traditional model where you have, you know, the best of the very best on a video game, you know, putting on a spectacle for people to watch. And, um, our F1 esports series, as we call it, which is, 
how I would describe as the the virtual equivalent, the virtual equivalent to the real world championship has been very successful. Um, but obviously in this, in the past, you know, few months where, you know, the whole world has been turned upside down. Um, in many ways, I think we've benefited a little bit in having, you know, played in this space a little bit earlier, having had the learnings that we've had in the space of esports to move as quickly as we have to create, you know, additional products within our esports infrastructure, within our esports program to help, I guess, plug the gap a little bit. You know, I think that, you know, obviously the impact that COVID-19 has had on the world and on sports, media and entertainment has been obviously very profound. And a lot of sports have had to, um, you know, either be cancelled or be postponed. And so we as a sport in Formula One has have also been been impacted by that. Um, and so I think that when, when the first announcement actually came out of, you know, that our Shanghai Grand Prix would actually be postponed, that was when the juices started flowing in terms of thinking, actually, how can we start thinking about esports to help, you know, create some racing on that weekend? And obviously things escalated very quickly. And, and before we knew it, we were in a position where on the Friday of the Australian Grand Prix, there was an announcement that the Australian Grand Prix would be cancelled and that, you know, Bahrain and China would be postponed. And so we very quickly were in a position where we had a concept initially, um, you know, shaped around the Shanghai GP weekend, but it wasn't a scalable concept. So we had to move very quickly on that weekend itself to see how else we could actually create a product that one was scalable, two met our, met our objectives of, you know, we, we felt like there was a need and maybe to some extent also a responsibility to our fans to see how we can be creative with the assets that we have to create um, some live sporting content. And whether that is real world or virtual, I think that, um, you know, we, we felt like there was a role that esports could play in that. Um, because at the end of the day, if you think about it, the role that sports really plays is it, you know, it's a form of escapism. It provides relief to people. And so we felt like more now more than ever, you know, I think we were in a position where um, we had to think creatively about, okay, we have an esports product. How could we use it to help serve the needs of our fans? And the idea for the virtual Grand Prix quickly emerged. You know, we were in a position where we had a few months of, you know, we wouldn't be able to go racing, but we could still put on racing through our video game. And we've got a terrific video game developed by Codemasters, which in itself is, you know, because of the realistic uh, graphics, it helps to lend itself to actually to quite a compelling visual entertainment product from a view viewership's perspective. Um, so we shaped that very quickly. We wanted to create a virtual Grand Prix concept that was scalable. We did that very quickly. And then we also recognized that there was a, there was also an opportunity where you know, on those weekends where we didn't have Grand Prix, so for those non-GP weekends, we also were able to kind of be creative about how can we create interesting entertainment products based on video gaming, based on our video game and esports. And that's where the challenge idea came out because we were like, okay, the, I, the, the role that esports has played for us has been a very powerful tool to break down borders. Now we have an opportunity to use our esports product to connect our fans with our Formula One drivers like never before. And we thought, how cool could it be? We could set up a grid with our fans and an F1 driver so that we could give our fans the opportunity to race against a Formula One driver on our Formula One game. So that's where the ideas for, for the challenge concept came out, came about. And I think we've been very creative and very nimble about how we think about 
how to develop and evolve our product set within esports. And I think more, most importantly, also sort of having that courage to try new things. Um, and, you know, not be afraid to try new things. And some things will, will be a huge hit and some things may not be, but you can get learnings out of that. And I think the most important thing out of all of this, you know, is, is really the learnings that we can, that we can gather, um, during this period because, you know, we will emerge from, from this crisis. And, you know, when we do, um, you know, I think in many respects, the world will look quite different to when it was before. But the fact that we have had the opportunity to experiment in this space, try new things, just, you know, be, be out there doing something, I think will benefit us in the long term and thinking how we can use our esports properties, um, and use those learnings to inform our wider esports strategy, but also, you know, the wider sport as well, potentially. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, to, to clarify the difference between, so the F1 Esports Pro Series is professional esports athletes. So the people that are the best in the world at that game. Um, and then the virtual Grand Prix was a mixture of celebrities, um, influencers, kind of content creators. And then a few, as you said, and then a few Formula One drivers as well um, that are the best in the world in the actual car, but their skills kind of transfer to that. Is that, I mean, that's, that's, kind of one of the big difference that F1 has because a lot of sports has tried this simulation um, have tried to uh, fill the void so to speak so using esports infrastructure um, and it's had a mixed success uh, I mean is that part of the success is that something that leads to the success of the virtual part of F1 is that people can sit there in a photorealistic game simulation with a, a steering wheel, you know, pedals, everything, a setup that is largely very similar to the actual skill set that's being used. Because, I mean, if you get, like, the NBA, for instance, um, uh, Kevin Durant's paid a lot of money because he's great at shooting threes, not because he's great on the Xbox. Whereas you can have a F1 driver on a simulation. Is that, is that part of the success? I, I definitely think that we're very lucky as a sport to have our virtual worlds and our real worlds sort of overlap in such a meaningful way. The fact that the, the lines between virtual and real are, are blurred, right? When we talk about motorsports and Formula One as it relates to esports. And that in itself presents a lot of opportunities as a sport to think about how you can creatively and effectively use you know, esports as an asset to kind of further, you know, different objectives. Um, you know, I think that it's no coincidence that, you know, our Formula One drivers who obviously are the best in the world when it comes to driving real racing cars have adapted so quickly to the Formula One game, even though it's a completely different platform. You know, I think it's, 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 um, it says something, you know, and I, and I think that, a lot of this, I think the success that we've seen operating in esports actually comes down in large part to being clear about your strategy and being clear about, you know, the, the environment in which you're operating in. So the fact that, for example, we recognize that the F1 esports series or the F1 esports pro series, which is the professional gamers, that role is very different from the virtual GPs. So for the F1 esports pro series, the role that that's giving is 
you know, breaking down borders for fans to get closer to our sport in a new way. We have amazingly talented gamers out there on our official Formula One game who can put on an amazing racing spectacle for people to enjoy. So from a, from a viewership perspective, people are tuning in because of the incredible racing that they're putting on that you could never replicate in, in the real world. And whereas the virtual Grand Prix is slightly different, the virtual Grand Prix is actually about giving our fans the opportunity to see their Formula One drivers and their heroes um, race in a different kind of way because, you know, in the absence of being able to see them race in, in a real life race, you know, we have these weekends where, you know, they, sh- you know, some of them are available and we can have them put them front and center and have, you know, some casual racing at the end of the day. And the reason why, why it's been positioned as casual because, you know, they're, they're not professionals in the Formula One game, right? The Formula One game is a very specific type of game and that's where the pro gamers excel in. But, at the same time, you're still able to create some fun, entertaining, compelling racing between some F1 drivers, which is what fans want to see. And I think at the end of the day, it's that's the role that the virtual GPs are are meant to be playing. You know, it's meant to give an opportunity to teams and drivers, put themselves front and center. There's plenty of um, opportunities to activate with sponsors as well. You know, I think that it, it's it's that that is the that is the purpose of the virtual GPs. It is to provide content during a time where we don't have racing content. Um, one, for our fans, for them to to enjoy and see their stars front and center. Two, to also give an opportunity for our teams to also start to activate around that, whether it is with with their individual brands or or whether it's with their sponsors as well. And three, I think it's, it's um, yeah, it's a bit of fun. You know, I think people enjoy... You know, people enjoy sports because, again, it gives it gives them that relief. Yeah. And whether it's esports, you're still able to give them that. And and is that are you seeing cross pollination between the fans? So the fans that are that are esports, um, kind of the professional esports, you know, following along Twitch or, or whatever, and then the traditional profile of a motorsport fan who's a bit older, um, maybe isn't digital native, all that kind of stuff. Is there is there cross pollination, or is it one of those things that um, esports is a, as you said, a fun product that serves that that fan group, that traditional racing fan group. And then once the real racing's back, there's not going to be crossover between the two. There's certainly cross pollination. I think yeah. the fact that the virtual GPs have been really, really successful has shone a light on esports as an industry. I think to a to a large audience who maybe have never watched an, an esports event or esports show in their lives and we've used this opportunity as well to elevate our pro gamers so you know before the virtual grand prix the hour before we've got a pro exhibition race where we have really the best of the very best gamers showing what you can really do when you push the game to its limit by way of racing you know the fact that p1 to p20 the difference in the qualifying times is less than a second you know those sort of things i think is 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 really incredible and being able to tell that story and use the platform of the virtual gp to start to elevate this element i think is also very important um and vice versa you know i think that um obviously esports as an industry is giving a lot of opportunities to our teams and our drivers to activate in a different way it's a different product it's still racing but it's a different product but you know immediately you're able to kind of do things that you weren't able to do before you know the fact that you can now see 
the driver's raw emotions as they are driving, you know, through their Twitch stream and see them having fun, seeing their personalities shine through. Seeing, You're able to see more than just a, like their voice or what you can see through a helmet and fire exactly. mask. You can, you can see them, see them react and, um, yeah, live, live the ups and downs of the sport. Definitely. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I think, I mean, that's actually one of the challenges, uh, you know, we've had as, uh, as a sport motorsports has right that your heroes one you're you're not necessarily able to fully appreciate the intense performance that they're putting on every time they put out they go on the track like for basketball you know you can pick up a basketball you can play and you can actually gain an appreciation of how hard the sport actually is whereas the motorsport is actually very difficult because not it's not it's not it's not as accessible in that sense but yeah i can't just jump in a formula one car and go for a lap around monte carlo uh exactly it's not, but it's with not the game that. you can yeah with the game you can and you can even if it's a one or two percent appreciation for what the formula one drivers put on track is already more than what you had from before um and again being able to see our our, our drivers as you know real human beings as superhumans actually in many ways i think is is um is is one of the challenges that esports helps to break down as as a as a barrier yeah yeah definitely and i mean i kind of want to circle back to that at a point but uh also for sponsors what's the response from sponsors been like i know the the challenge series which is pitting a a famous racer against another one kind of um getting that classic narrative battle it's the who would win in the hypothetical David Coulthard versus whoever. Um, and that's been really well received. And it's been sponsored by Heineken, um, tying in with their, I think it's their 0% alcohol beer and kind of all that being in control and kind of hits all these points. Was that something that Heineken were like, we'd like to do this? Or is it kind of from Formula One side going, we can add value to this sponsor while real racing isn't on and they were receptive to it? It was a bit of both. Um, I think there was a lot of momentum behind our esports activities, or there has been a lot of momentum behind our esports activities more generally. Um, our virtual Grand Prix were a great opportunity for us actually to do multiple things with our sponsors. I think the fact that for most sports that have had to go dark, we were able to kind of, you know, quote unquote, keep a couple of lights on through esports, you know, giving our sponsors providing and creating value for our sponsors, right? I think that the fact that our virtual Grand Prix have been such a huge hit, you know, millions of people have tuned in, um, all of that, all of that exposure that we're able to kind of give to both our global sponsors, as well as our F1 eSports series sponsors who we've integrated as part of the virtual GPs have been tremendous. Um, and more specifically with the challenge Heineken Legends concept, actually, that came out um, through, you know, a, a, a bit of a, both ways, actually, you know, I think China can, re- you know, recognize the kind of growing importance and opportunity here. And also we had this asset in, in our challenge series where we had done a challenge Lando event and a challenge, um, Williams with George Russell and Nicholas Latifi. And Heineken has an, a great uh, roster of ambassadors. You know, David Coulthard and Nico Rosberg are are two of them, as is you know, Roberto Carlos and Robert Dornbus. So we're you know it, it, the ideation for that actually came out throughout as we were kind of progressing with our um, virtual GPs and challenge events, and we scoped that very um, collectively. And uh, and yeah, it was it was a great success. You know, I think it was. Um, was a really cool way to get the, our, the legends of our sport also kind of picking up the Formula One game and 
and having a bit of fun. And at the end of the day, it is for a bit of fun. You know, I think that no one expects or, you know, I think people shouldn't be expecting, you know, Formula One drivers necessarily to to excel in the video game because it's a completely different platform. But at the same time, they've taken to it like, you know, um, it's really, really naturally and, and they've and they've really taken to it really well. So, um, yeah, the, the Challenge Heineken event was a, a great, I think, case study for us as well on how we can um, deliver a lot of value um, to our global sponsors doing a time that, you know, um, is is difficult um, more generally. And, you know, I think the virtual GPs as well, in terms of sponsor activations, we've been able to kind of maintain activations like the DHL fastest lap activation that we usually do where we've got branded content that comes out of that Pirelli pole position, you know, all of those elements that happen in the real world racing, we've been able to adapt to our virtual equivalent, again, giving more sponsorship activation opportunities. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something that's been well done by formula one and, uh, you're kind of rare in that position that you're able to do that. But mm. uh, would you say, I mean, you said kind of at the beginning, is that because you have the esports infrastructure in place? Like if, if another team or league was trying to replicate this, the um, everything aside around how you can't necessarily replicate other sports uh, virtually, is that your advice is basically invest in the esports mm. infrastructure to be able to do these virtual more fun fan activations? I think it depends. It really depends on the sport and it depends on actually a lot, a lot of factors. I think, you know, what is the strategy for the sport? Does the sport have, um, a video game like how we do? We've got a, you know, an official Formula One video game that's an incredible product. Um, and then I think just being aware on how you, you know, what the opportunities are in terms of activating within esports. I think we're very lucky, kind of going back to the sponsor activation front. The fact that our game replicates real world means that the trackside signage is exactly the same as in the real world. So it gives, again, our global sponsors even added, um, you know, um, exposure in the same way a real life race would actually do. Um, so I think it's just, it's, it's being conscious of, what your starting point is, you know, what, what, what is your situation with the game? You know, what is the situation with your experience within this space? Figuring out where you want to go more generally and then kind of, you know, doing a deep dive on, on identifying how esports can actually get you there. Because I think that if, if we were, if we didn't think of it that way, if we at Formula One didn't think of it that way, I think it would have been very difficult for us to actually move very quickly to, to create these different product sets within our esports, esports estate or esports umbrella. Um, but because we do see esports as this, you know, vehicle to help us reach different objectives, we've been able to be very nimble about how we develop our product set and respond to you know, situations, some as profound as COVID-19 and others as, you know, more, maybe a little bit more long-term when we think about the, you know, the the kind of the age of our fan base and starting to build that pipeline of our fans into the sport, for example. Yeah. And so taking that long-term approach, once um, racing does resume uh, normal or the new normal, whatever that looks like, and, and I probably would say thinking more to 2021 and beyond, what role does does esports play in um, continuing to engage fans and this these kind of virtual races? Where do you see that as as it returning? It's a very good question. It's it's one I think that 
a lot of leagues, you know, like us, we've been grappling because I think the reality is where we are right now in in terms of our sort of esports activities in large part is in response to a situation. Um, but I think it's also very important to be very conscious about, you know, your longer term trajectory. And for us, I think that I think it's still a little bit too early to say, you know, I think we've been in this space for two, three months. We have a lot of learnings that we want to, you know, consider. Um, we've certainly seen that, you know, the fact that we can get our, you know, F1 drivers, for example, playing the video game has worked, um, has been very, very well received by a fan base. So I think that there is certainly something there that, that we should continue to think about and how we can use that. Maybe it's in the off season or, you know, how we can get, um, that element of our drivers racing in a different kind of way, um, for a bit of fun. You get to see their personalities. I think that's a very powerful element that, you know, I, I think will, help inform our, our longer term strategy and how we can continue to play. And I think another thing that another learning, I think that it's been really fascinating to see is that actually a lot of our, our activities when you're forced to can be done online and can be done remote remotely. And so that immediately, I think helps you question as well. You know, before there was almost like a status quo on how to do an esports program. You know, there are going to be live events. There's going to be online qualifying. There is like almost a model that people tend to follow, and this has disrupted that a lot, obviously. Um, so I think that there is the learnings, learning such as that, such as that. I think will continue to inform our longer term strategy. I think kind of going back to what I said earlier around the fact that we are operating right now. Um, and kind of exploring this space and developing our products as we go and, and learning and getting all of these learnings will put us in a better position um, had we not come in. So I think it's, again, too early to say things yeah. change sort of two to three weeks, let alone two to three months in, in the horizon. But uh, we will definitely have a lot of learnings that we can apply. Yeah, definitely. And I think... Um as you said, the, the kind of profound problems like uh, COVID-19 or, or more longer term problems that are profound in their own way in terms of an aging fan base, um, both need digital responses to them. So once all of this is kind of uh, past, whatever, whatever words, I struggle for the words to describe what's going to happen next, but once it's there and the learnings are gathered, then it's definitely um, going to be useful to reflect on that. Mm. And right. I think in many ways, the sort of digital transformation or revolution has been accelerated, right? And mm. it, it's, it's, it's something that has always been on the horizon for many businesses, regardless of industry. But because of COVID-19, I think that it's really accelerated the need for um, dig a digital transformation in response to that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, you know, everyone acknowledges that digital is the future, um and yeah i think it's yeah it's, it's just accelerated up yeah it's not new trends it's just accelerating existing ones yeah great well thanks so much for your time julian um one of the things that we do is ask people what their favorite sporting moment of all time so julian what is your favorite sporting moment of all time wow that's a very very big question my favorite sporting moment of all time I think for me, um, this one really, 
this is something that I actually went through because I was at Wimbledon on this year. It was the um, it was the marathon tennis match between Nicholas Mahout and uh, um, what is his name, John John Isner, um, and that marathon. Um, Wimbledon match third round which went spanned over multiple days that was that was incredible uh, do you know yeah, which one I'm yeah, talking about yeah, yeah yeah yes yes I do yeah I was thinking some of the um I mean growing up I was always watching the Leighton Hewitt at the Australian Open and he would just fight and fight and fight and those ones would go for hours and you'd be staying up and your parents would say go to bed and then it kept going and like oh and then it'd be like 1am or something absurd um, and it'd still be going but yeah the one that runs over multiple days Incredible. I think it was like three or four days. It was yeah. incredible. I was actually in Wimbledon for one of those days and I watched the match. I think it was on the first day. Um, and then obviously play got suspended, came back the next day and it kept, kept coming back, kept coming back. I thought that was, that was an incredible, I, I just can't see that ever happening, yeah. you know, in any immediate future. So that, that was really quite, quite amazing. Fantastic. All right. Well, I'll try and find some footage of that and we'll share in the uh, podcast notes. Perfect. Great. Well, thanks again for your time, Julian. There you have it. That was Dr. Julian Tan, head of digital business initiatives and esports for Formula One. So to my mind, they're one of the best sports organizations in the world that have managed to balance between filling the void of lack of live sports while also engaging the assets they already had. So they had a strong base in esports. Uh, they managed to transition that into a virtual event. As we talked about the kind of the difference between esports and virtual, there is a, a subtle but distinct difference. Uh, and then use those assets to engage both their existing fans, but then draw new fans in that were from esports that maybe wouldn't have existed uh, kind of around the original product and then work through them and kind of just marry all those groups together. Feel free to sign up for the next few presentations that are coming up. So as, as we said at the beginning of, uh, of the episode, sportstechworldseries.com. You can navigate through to the events there and then sign up for free. All this content is free. We really believe in kind of building this global community. So this is a great opportunity for everyone to learn uh, the best in Europe and the best around the world. And uh, as always, I will be here same time, same place next week. Looking forward to seeing you on Sports Tech Feed. Thank <laughs> you.